You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM. And today we have Peter Watts, who's going to be presenting his series called Searching for Certainty. Welcome, Peter. It's, it's great to be here, Jason. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. It's good. And we're actually live in the studio in Hobart here. And... Uh, yeah, we've got lots to share today, and, and in particular, lots to share about what's happening in Tassie right now. So in Tasmania, there's a current event up in the northwest called AgFest. I'm sure you may have heard of that before, and uh, we're just going to share a little bit, bit about that. We've got some people up there at AgFest, and um, they're doing various things. In, in particular, they're doing some health checks. Uh, you can go into there if you've got a ticket to AgFest. You can go and get a free health check. You'll get a little report on your health and find out what you're doing well and find out uh, how you can improve certain aspects of your life. And it's about lifestyle changes. I've actually done one of those, Jason. It's called a, a health age check, I think. And what they do is they take a, a bunch of your uh, health uh, information and, and give you a, an idea how, how long you think you're going to live. Or, or how, you know, So it's actually quite good in terms of uh, checking in on your well-being. Yeah, awesome. Now, if you can't get to AgFest, don't worry. There's other ways you can actually uh, grab this uh, material or or uh, do the do the little test. Um, there's an online website, and that place is E L I A E L I A Elia or Elia Wellness dot com, and you can go to that web website and you can register and you can do a free health check and uh, get that report for you. Um, now, in, on top of that, there's actually an app that you can download, and it's also by the same name, the Elia Wellness app. You can go into your app store on your Android or iOS phone, your Apple phone um, or tablet, and you can go and actually uh, download that app, and you can do the same sort of thing there. And we're actually going to be uh, running some programs uh, around the state um, a bit later. As a follow-up to AgFest. Yeah, as a follow-up to AgFest, and uh, you may be interested in joining those. Now, Peter, just tell our listeners and and me, I know you a little bit, but uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. So um, I'm, you know, currently obviously uh, living in wonderful Tasmania and we we very much enjoyed here, my wife and I. But I actually grew up uh, in Birmingham, England, in uh, what I would describe, I suppose, as a typical British home. And, uh, you know, went to state school there and um, went through... uh, schooling, left school at 16, became a car mechanic, uh, did a few other things, became a cocktail bartender for a, a little while, um, Met some, uh, had some friends who had visited Australia and eventually came out here myself and uh, I actually came as a one-year backpacker as many Brits do um, and then of course met my wife, fell in love and, uh, and, stayed, here, here. and stayed here for, <laughs> been, been here for over 25 years now. That's awesome. That's awesome. And and uh, what about the program that you've uh, prepared for us over the coming weeks uh, titled Searching for Certainty? What can you tell us about that? Yeah, so um, I guess in my own life, in terms of my own journey uh, of uh, faith and philosophy, um, I certainly started out as, uh, as an atheist. I would call myself an atheist from my mid-teens uh, onward into my mid-twenties. And um, I, I believed in a material universe, a purely material universe. So that meant that, you know, we, the universe was full of matter and energy, but nothing of a supernatural nature. Um, and I, you know, learned evolution at school, thoroughly believed that. 
Um, and that's the way I, I felt we got here. And then I had an encounter with God in my mid-20s, which we might talk about a little later in the series, um, that caused me, it really challenged, I guess, what I uh, was raised on, what I believed um, as an atheist. And uh, I then began to explore uh, the idea of faith and explore the evidence for the existence of God. And when we talk about the searching for certainty, we live in a world where, you know, uh, many in uh, social commentators, in news bulletins and so forth, talk about we have, we live in an uncertain world, we have an uncertain future. And I think a lot of people are looking for certainty, not only in the world they live in, not only in the future that they are uh, want to look forward to rather than be pessimistic about, but in their own lives. So what 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 lives? What meaning does their own life have? Uh, what certainties do we really have? And so, searching for certainty is something that aptly described where I was, and I think it aptly describes where many are today too. It just reminds me of that uh, that phrase that says, "There's two things in life that's certain." <laughs> Death and taxes. I've heard Is that. that. Right? <laughs> I've heard that. Yeah. Although sometimes you know try and avoid the taxes, but <laughs> there's, there's, uh, but yeah, death is one of those things. And uh, you know, we'll talk more about these things as the series progresses too, because uh, we don't often like to talk about death. You know, we, we we want to live in the moment and we have plans, and sometimes they uh, get interrupted by the death of a loved one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, today's episode is titled, Does God Exist? Part 1, mm. Design. Yes. Okay. So in this whole search for certainty, uh, one of the great questions, of course, that um, pretty much every human being will have asked, not only uh, in the current time, but through millennia, is, is does God exist? Uh, can we know if God exists? Um, how would we be able to tell? You know, sometimes people will say, well, prove to me God exists. And Another person might say, well, prove God doesn't exist, you know, and uh, we're not going to talk about uh, proof in that sense. What we're going to look for is evidence. Evidence. We're yeah. going to look at what is reasonable, uh, not simply what is possible, but what is reasonable. You know, when we, uh, we enter a court of law, they often will talk about beyond all reasonable doubt. And uh, the idea is that, you know, based on the evidence that we have, what is the reasonable conclusion that we have from that? And uh, we're going to get in and talk about that. Uh, does God exist? It's core part one because uh, we, we're going to explore that question of God's existence in the next two or three episodes of our series Searching for Certainty. And uh, the first one is on the subject of design because we're looking at um, what what evidences would, you know, be um, available to us and what would be reliable to us in terms of exploring, well, how can we know if God exists or not? Okay. So you go yeah, ahead did, if you want to... Just before we get into the in. content, just mm. before we get into the content, um, uh, I just remembered that um, we do have some uh, one one issue with our transmitter on Mount Wellington. Okay. And uh, so people may be wondering how they can listen to us other ways if they can't get the radio signal, the uh, the Faith FM, and the Mount Wellington uh, radio is on 87.6, and uh, that one is actually down at the moment, and we're, we're doing every effort to... Uh, making every effort to get that back up and running. But uh, people may not be aware that there is an app available. You can go to your app store on your mobile phone and search for Faith FM Australia and you'll be able to download the app 
When you download the app, make sure you choose your location of Hobart or Tasmania, Launceston, somewhere like that, and you will get uh, the programming for the Tasmania. Local content. The local content, which includes this program. Um, you can also just go directly to the Faith FM website, and that's faithfm.com.au, and you can listen online just by clicking the little play button in the top right-hand corner. Um, again, I believe you can set the location there as well. So, um, okay. Yeah, just on that, I was going to say I have the Faith FM uh, app on my phone, and it's it's one of the more convenient ways to listen. So if, yeah. you, if you do get that, please uh, pass that on to others too. Yeah, awesome. Um, of course, the Faith FM app allows you to listen when you cross boundaries. The, the uh, radio transmitters don't go, you know, long distances and you have to change frequencies. So uh, the Faith FM app will keep going as long as you've got mobile data. Um, and it does use a little bit of mobile data, but not, not too much. So um, I'd also just like to share with our listeners this number that you can contact us on. You can message in. It's uh, 0488-880-891. You can message us anytime. Uh, if you've got a question, maybe you've got a question for Peter this morning, message us on that number. And also later on we're going to have a, an offer that um, you can text in a code word to receive that particular offer. Okay, so we've got all that sort of stuff hopefully out of the way. Let's get into the interesting stuff, Peter. All right. So um, our question, does God exist? Um, we, you know, another question we could follow that up with is, does it matter? Does it really matter whether God exists or not? What difference is going to make to my life? And we want to explore that through these uh, various episodes, um, you know, in this series. Time magazine put out uh, the cover of Time magazine back in the 60s. It was, um, it said, is God Dead, And the idea of the, the article was not so much that God had been alive and that he was, you know, now dead, but rather is the, the idea of God dead in Western culture? Do we really need him? Has science eliminated the, the need for God in terms of uh, the origin of life? And has, um, uh, and our, do our daily lives, have we eliminated the need for God in our life? Or have we got other, other ways of, uh, you know, coping? Yeah, I think... It's a popular trend, isn't it, to uh, in science and what have you, is to try to find all ways to eliminate the need for God. Mm. Yeah, so, you know, in my own life, as I mentioned before, I would have described myself as a, an atheist. That is someone who doesn't believe in God. Um, and then there's the agnostic, which is a term that people may have heard, and that is someone who doesn't know, doesn't know if there is evidence for the existence of God or not. And then, of course, there's a theist, which is what I am today. I do believe in God. And through the series, we're going to, I'm going to share a little bit about why that is. Yeah. We're going to look at uh, a line of evidence from design, as we mentioned. And, uh, you know, one of the questions that probably every human being has asked at some point in their life is, where did I come from? I mentioned earlier that I was raised in the UK and uh, it would come as no surprise to our listeners that I had a mother and a father. Um, you know, the, you know, that my, makes sense. My very existence <laughs> demands that I came from somewhere, and in the immediate sense, I came from my mother and father, who came from their parents, who came from their parents. And how far back does that go? At what point do we say, well, this living being actually came from someplace that was not living? Um, you know, we've been doing experiments uh, for you know, 
decades and centuries uh, in terms of trying to find out what constitutes life and trying to produce life in a laboratory. And all of our experiments, in order to produce life, we have to start with something that was living in the first place. We have never observed and, in fact, have demonstrated that life does not come from non-living matter. And yet, uh, in order to uh, accept the naturalistic uh, way of, of, of origins of life, we have to accept that sometime in the past life came from non-life, but we don't observe it and we haven't even found out a way that it could possibly have happened. So that's a very significant question. Where did I come from? We, we, we see in our experience, we observe in the natural world that life always comes from life. Um, so that's that's an important element. Uh, another you know question that um, science, I guess, uh, would struggle to answer. And, uh, you know, when we talk about science, I'm not down on science. I love science. And I know that there's, we've, we've had some incredible developments because of the advances in science. Um, and I really believe the kind of science I believe in is the uh, observable, repeatable and recordable science that we can do in the here and now, mm. rather than postulating theories about what could have happened in the past that we cannot measure. Mm. Um, so one of the questions that is, you know, has been asked is, uh, which came first, the chicken or the egg? I've heard that many times. You know, and, <laughs> and if you're looking from a scientific background, well, you say, well, uh, chickens obviously come from eggs, but where did the eggs come from? Well, they came from chickens and uh, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. At what point did a chicken emerge that didn't come from an egg? Or at what point was there a chicken that doesn't produce eggs or you know mm. it's kind of uh kind of interesting and the idea of that of course is, is it comes down to another um tenet of of biological science that we observe and that is that like comes from like in other words we know that chickens come from eggs and the eggs come from, come from chickens but cats come from cats yeah. and dogs come from co dogs and yeah. horses come from horses and of course we observe that every day we observe that mm. in the natural world mm. all the time and it's what um even darwin observed but see what um we will talk more about evolution we have a, an old a whole episode that we're going to look at the evolution um issue because there are some things i believe about evolution and there are other things i don't believe about evolution we want to explore that because uh, of course i was raised like most uh, people in state school believing uh, evolution and that was the naturalistic way that life came about in the universe and uh, we want to have a look at that okay it's time to go to a break uh, peter and i've chosen this song it's called wounds and uh, you might wonder why i've chosen chosen a song called wounds well i guess uh, people go through many experiences in life and uh, sometimes they're hard to deal with and somebody might be questioning well why you know why does this sort of thing happen to me and so hopefully this song will um you know, help you in your daily walk. Walking, broken, innocent, stolen shadows hold you down till you can't breathe. You look for reasons to pick up all the pieces But still you tell yourself the hurts too deep Would you believe me if I said you're not beyond repair? 
Listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, and this morning we're talking with Peter Watts. So, Peter, just uh, give us a recap of where we were going with the uh, content today. It was uh, searching for certainty. Does God exist? Mm, yes. Yeah, so the, part one. The series is searching for certainty. We're doing part one. Does God exist? Uh, I guess if we're searching for certainty, that would be a question that we would have, and we're we're looking at what what evidence could we identify that might point us in the direction of whether there is or isn't a God. And uh, one of those evidences is the evidence from design. So we were talking about um, like produces like. We talked about the chicken and the egg, the fact that dogs produce dogs and cats produce cats. And um, this is what we observe all the time. Uh, What we don't see is one kind of creature turning into another kind of creature. And, of course, this was the 
the proposal of Darwin, he wasn't the first actually to, to propose it, but he certainly popularised it. And um, the, he would see uh, slight changes. So he, for example, in the, the Galapagos, he would look at the beaks of finches and see that some, some finches had longer beaks and some shorter beaks. And he noticed these changes. And he supposed that over long, long periods of time, these small changes could add up to long changes. Now, we don't observe that. We, haven't, we can't say that we've observed one kind of creature turning into another kind of creature. The finches were still finches. And uh, what we do observe is that like produces like. One kind of creature produces that same kind of creature. And we're going to talk now more about the design element of it okay. because there's a, um, there's a, a phrase that is used to describe, if we look at the, the bigger picture in terms of our world and its position in the solar system and so forth, there's a term that is used uh, called the Goldilocks zone, and it's referring to, you know, most people have heard the, the Goldilocks story. Goldilocks went into the home of the three bears. She found three bowls of porridge. One was too hot, one was too cold, and one was just right. And the idea of the Goldilocks zone is that planet Earth uh, exists in a uh, geographical space in, in the universe that is ideal for producing life. That is ideal for sustaining Sup- life. Supporting I say. life, yeah. Supporting, supporting is the yeah, word I want yeah. to use, because um, it's it's a planet. We have an abundance of liquid water, which we uh, believe is necessary for life. We um, have a, a an oxygen nitrogen atmosphere. the The world itself is close enough to the sun to be warmed by the sun, but not so close that it would fry. And it's in that Goldilocks zone. In other words, if the the, the Earth were, t- were closer to the sun, it wouldn't be possible f- to s- sustain life. And if we were further away, like Mars, for instance, we would be a lot colder. Mm. Um, and we're we're looking for life on Mars right now. Yeah, I, I believe uh, Elon Musk is it who's uh, sending a mission or planning to send a mission out to Mars and uh, yeah, well, wanting, wanting volunteers to go to. Uh, Perhaps uh, not come back. Yeah, yeah. So, so we're looking. We're basically coming to the conclusion that we're using the resources upon Earth. We're polluting the Earth. Uh, we're thinking maybe we can't live here forever. We need to find somewhere else uh, to live too. And they're looking for signs of life. And one of the signs they're looking for is liquid water because they they realise that liquid water is one of the prerequisites for sustaining life. So, our planet, um, it's you know, it's tilted twenty three degrees on its uh, axis, which makes for the seasons. Uh, it spins, you know, one rotation every 24 hours gives us an even warming and cooling of the earth. All of these factors um, led to people describing this as the Goldilocks zone. Now, what's interesting about that is are all of those factors and a whole lot more that we'll talk about, um, are they by accident or by design? And given that we have sent probes into the solar system, we've looked at all of the planets and moons that we have in our solar system to examine them, and we say, wow, Earth is a special place because we have all of these uh, features that enable life to be sustained but and supported, but not only life, a life in abundance and life in an abundance of varieties. Um, and, th- and, and, and all of the necessary mechanisms to sustain that. So, yeah. you know, plants that we can eat. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. There's no point just having part of that. It actually needs the entire right. ecosystem. 
the way in which the various systems work together, together yeah. is is an incredible thing. If you think about the moon, we 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 uh, we as human beings sent rockets to the moon and and had people walk on the moon six times in the uh, late sixties, early seventies, and we brought back rocks and dust and uh, from the moon, and so uh, we're familiar with what the moon is made up of. And many, you know, most people believe, whether they believe in evolution or creation, they believe that the moon is as old as the earth, right? Made basically from the same stuff, basically in the same location. The moon, too, is in the Goldilocks zone. And yet we haven't found any liquid water on the moon. We haven't found any life on the moon. If the moon arose at the same time and place as the earth in the Goldilocks zone, you know, by the same processes, why does not the moon have any of the characteristics that we find on Earth? Yeah, That's a very interesting question. And, of course, part of the answer is I believe that the moon was designed for a different purpose. Mm. You know, the moon uh, obviously controls the tides. We have tides. You know, the water would be stagnant without the moon. And if it was too close, it would produce tidal waves and tsunamis every day, uh, which would be very destructive. And so the moon serves an incredible purpose. And so uh, it's fascinating to think about the Earth and uh, the idea of design because many of the elements that we find on Earth seem to be so well designed to support life. Yeah, yeah. One of the other uh, illustrations I like to use on this is um, I've had the privilege of going to the United States. I have a friend there and we went to Mount Rushmore, which is in South Dakota, and it is a, a mountain that an artist carved out of the mountain, these four heads of presidents of the United States. They have Washington, Jefferson, Roosevelt, and Lincoln. Uh, and these these heads are huge. And uh, if people check out a picture of it, they'll see the pine trees growing below, below them. Um, 95% of the carving was done by dynamite. They would drill holes, put the dynamite in, and blow just around. They'd have to be uh, careful with how <laughs> much they put in. You'd want to be accurate. Yeah. I mean, you know, you wouldn't want to be, this is the last one, and you yeah. blow his nose off or yeah. something. You know, that wouldn't be so good. You'd, you'd need some good glue to put it back together. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, somebody with great intelligence decided to carve those uh, images into the rock. And if you compare that to, you know, a regular craggy rock face, um, it's very easy to see that this is this has all the elements of design, and the other is just natural erosion and wearing. And we, you know, if I was to say to you that Mount Rushmore was produced by the wind and the rain uh, over thousands of years, producing those images, you would probably not buy that because you would say no, the detail is too uh, intricate, it is too complex. There's no way that could have been produced just by accident. And it, it's the same with any any uh, thing that we see, you know, like a motor vehicle. You know, if you go up to somebody and say, well, you know, that motor vehicle just um, appeared one day, uh, you know, nothing nothing uh, was designing it, nothing was assembling it. There was it. no outside influence. There was no outside influence. It just happened or even just, uh, say, a book, you know, if... Yeah. if uh, uh, a million letters fell out of the uh, sky. What's the chance of a, a perfect uh, written coherent book, book. coherent book being produced from that? Yeah. I mean, the chances are uh, nonsensically low. It's interesting <laughs> how we look at living things in a different way than we would to the things that we, 
No, I manufactured everything in this studio that we're talking in here, Jason, has all been made yeah. by somebody. It was designed in the mind of somebody, then it was created and made, and now is functional. And, and we accept that perfectly well. Yes. We accept all of that. Yeah, we, we know, see it happen every day. But then we question... Why is mm. life different to that? Well, you mentioned, see, even mentioning, say, an automobile, a car, is infinitely more complex than just carving These the stones. Yeah, exactly. And then you, if we can look at those stone images and say, you know what, they have all of the appearance of, all of the evidence suggests that they were designed, why do we find it difficult to look at a human head that is breathing and thinking and speaking and hearing and tasting and and alive, why is that, which is infinitely more complex than solid stone, why do we have difficulty recognising design in living things? Yeah. Let's go to another break, uh, Peter. But just before we do, I'll remind our listeners of that number that they can contact us on, 0488-880-891. And this song's If We're Honest by Francesca Battistelli. Harder than a lie The dark seems safer than the light And everyone has a heart that loves to hide I'm a mess and so are you We've built walls nobody can get through Yeah, it may be hard But the best thing we could If we're honest 
If We're Honest by Francesca Battistelli. Now, Peter, we've been talking about the evidence for design in the universe. And, you know, in our day-to-day life, we see it all over the place where everything that we see man-made, we know somebody designed and assembled or created or manufactured, whether it be a piece of uh, music or a Mm -hmm. piece of artwork, somebody actually created it. Sure. So... um, What's next in our journey on mm. this discovery of uh, design? Well, I mean, it's a good point you make to begin with. From the, the, the every human being is a creator, is a designer. Whether yeah. it's making uh, a sandwich, to building a building, to sending rockets to the moon, you know, we we are by nature creative. We seem to have this inbuilt desire. To create things. Yeah, it just seems to be the case. Yeah, and yeah. why is that? Is that just it again? Did that happen all by itself with as an accident or is that indeed by design? And as you mentioned, all man-made things we recognise are designed. Why do we have a problem? I think we have a problem. Part of it may be because it's, the biological world is so much more complex than the things that we make that we almost think this is incomprehensibly complex that how could any, you know, how big would the mind have to be to create the biological world? Um, well, you know, for those that believe in a, a God without limits, that, that that's the answer to that problem. But we were talking about design before. There is something, when we talk about modern cosmology, let's uh, go outside of uh, the, uh, the room and look at the universe at large, modern cosmology has identified dozens of measurable characteristics of the universe. Um, and these are fine-tuned to such a degree that moving um, even one of them in either direction, only a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a percentage, would make the existence of life anywhere in the universe impossible. And so um, some of these um, constants, these modern cosmological constants that have been identified are uh, a strong nuclear force constant, for instance. There's a, a weak nuclear force constant, a gravitational force constant, an electromagnet, uh, electromagnetic force constant, and the list could go on, and I'm not, not a physicist, so I'm not going to attempt to explain all of that. But there are dozens of these that have been measured, and scientists have been amazed at the fine-tunedness of these things, because if they were out of fraction... Again, life could not exist, not just here on Earth, but anywhere in the universe. Mm. And so how do they uh, explain this in the, um, in the realm of all by itself, happen by accident, complete random processes? Um, they've actually described this phenomenon of these um, many uh, physical constants they call it the anthropic principle. Anthropos is a Greek word, it means mankind, humanity. And the anthropic principle basically says it looks like all of this has been designed in order to support the lives of of humanity, which is kind of interesting. And they're saying, but it only looks that way. And he looks that way. (laughs) So if you are are an atheist or a materialist, say, committed to materialism, that there can be no designer, there can be no outside influence, if you're committed to that worldview, as I once was, then you cannot allow for this to have been arranged. It has to have done, been done by accident. And the, the, uh, the odds that they calculate 
are literally astronomical in terms of the odds they calculate for the idea that these force constants would have would have all by themselves fallen to to the place that they did in order to support life is quite astronomical. But if you have ruled out God, if you've ruled out a designer, you've ruled out a creator, you are left with just the elements. That's all, that's all you have. Except, of course, you have to ask where the elements come from, mm. and that's another story. Um, somebody has described the anthropic principle, these, this, the fine-tunedness of the universe. They've described it as if you were, imagine you're standing up against a wall, you're facing a firing squad, and not a very pleasant thought. No, not a very <laughs> But you're facing a firing squad, and there's, say, 40 riflemen in front of you, yeah. and they put a blindfold on you, you're standing against the wall, and the sergeant says, ready, aim, fire. And then you hear all the guns going off and you're kind of wincing, waiting for the impact, but nothing happens to you. And you think, okay, I'm still alive. This is amazing. I wonder what happened. Did they all, were they all really bad shots? Uh, did they all miss on purpose? Or perhaps they had blanks. Did they shoot in the <laughs> other direction? Did they was it were they blanks? Did they shoot at each other? What happened? So you remove the blindfold, and you notice, having removed the blindfold, that there are forty bullet holes in a perfect arc all around you, but none of the bullets have hit you. Now, if that were the case, you would look at that and you'd say you'd have to conclude they were all excellent shots and that they all missed on purpose. Mm. And this is the idea of the anthropic principle, because if any of those um, physical force constants were altered by a fraction of a fraction of a fraction, the bullet would hit us and we would die. Yeah, We would not be alive. So that, that's an illustration that sometimes has been used. There was a, uh, an astronomer of some years ago, uh, Sir Fred Hoyle, he was a British astronomer, and uh, he was looking at some of these uh, indicators of design, and he says uh, in in a statement that he made back in 1981, he said a common sense interpretation of the facts suggests that a super intellect has monkeyed with physics as well as with chemistry and biology, and that there are no blind forces worth speaking about in nature. The numbers one calculates from the facts seem to me so overwhelming as to put this conclusion almost beyond question. And this guy is not a Bible-bashing believer. He's not uh, promoting the idea of God in any way. All he's saying is he's looking at the facts. The, the evidence. The there. evidence in front of him and saying, this, this is incredible. Somebody must have done something to arrange these mm. things mm. in the way that we see them. And, and just going back to that illustration of the, um, the wall with the bullets that we were talking about, it's just one, just one bullet one stray bullet. One stray bullet, take and out. it's all over. Yeah. And, you know, there might have been 40 bullets there, but just one. So in the case of our life here, hmm. just one thing not lining up exactly as it needs to be to sustain life, hmm. just one thing, and it's all over. Yeah. yeah. This, this um, we talked, the, the anthropic principle, this uh, subject was the uh, topic of um, a, a ABC um Documentary. You know, some people may uh, remember the, the program Catalyst yes. on ABC TV, and uh, they they looked at this anthropic principle. I thought, great, I want to. I'm going to watch this show, and um, they talked about the fine tunedness of the universe and how intricate it was, and then they asked some scientists, why do we live in such a finely tuned universe? 
And one of them says, we just do. We just have to accept it. That's the way it is. Uh, there was no design. There was no grand plan. This is just the way it turned out. And uh, this is the way it is. There is no why. And that wasn't really satisfying uh, for me, and I don't think it was satisfying for others. It wasn't satisfying for the presenter, because he then went to ask another scientist. And the second uh, scientist they had on, he said, uh, well, actually, uh, we, we believe that we live in a multiverse. In other words, our universe, as vast as it is, is but one speck of sand on a huge beach of other universes, and there's an infinite number of universes, and if you have an infinite number of universes, the chances are you're going to get some or one that's going to produce going life. To support life, and yeah. that's why we're here. The problem with the multiverse... Well, you're going to make a comment. Oh, I was going to say, that's sort of taking things to the extreme, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it really is. It's kind of... it. Uh, we, we, we're going to talk about why, you know, what other conclusion they might have drawn. But, yes, it's, it's saying that we, can, we have a hard time explaining this universe mm. without a designer. So, therefore, we're going to come up with a theory that there are multiple, infinite mm. number of other infinite universes. Infinite number, yeah. Even though we have zero evidence for, for the multiverse, yeah. except that we require it to try and explain this universe. Yes. Another uh, explanation that another scientist uh, gave was, well, well, we may be only a virtual reality program. We actually, you and I, Jason, we're not sitting here in the studio. We're just programmed and we're thinking that we're here, but we're just part of a computer program. Yeah, I think that's along the lines of the Matrix movies. I, I <laughs> right. haven't actually watched them, but I think that's the sort of uh, concept behind those. Just, just a virtual the you know, virtual reality. Yeah. There's something in that, in the sense that the universe consists of more than we can see. I mean, even, mm. uh, you know, cosmologists will talk about dark matter and dark energy and so forth. They, don't, they can't measure it, but they imagine it must be there to try and theorise uh, why, why things exist the way they do. Anyway, one other scientist, which I thought was fairly creative, he says, our descendants in the distant future travel back in time and tinker with the laws of the physics of the Big Bang, which I thought was quite inventive, but you, how do we get here in the first place? You know? mm. And what, what troubled me about the whole thing was the one conclusion that they weren't really willing to entertain was that it looks designed because it is designed. Mm. The idea that there was a designer, a creator, uh, a, some guiding principle that allowed all of these things to be in place. But we don't want to come to that conclusion because then that means we've got to admit that there's something like God. Mm. Yeah. And this is it. And when we Design implies a designer. That designer we, we would call God. Okay, we need to take another break and uh, let's have a listen to this song called Everything is Possible. I know, but cannot see. 
Everything is possible. Now, Peter, we've been talking about the anthropic principle. And uh, we came to that conclusion, or the catalyst came to the conclusion, that everything looks like it's been designed, but we have difficulty accepting it. And, and on that particular program, we we're saying that they could not come to that conclusion that it actually was designed. Why do you think that is that we have so much trouble accepting that there is a creator, there is a designer. I think there's a couple of things, Jason, and I'm speaking, I guess, from my experience as well, because, uh, as I say, from my mid-teens to my mid-twenties, I would call myself an atheist. Uh, I didn't believe that God was necessary in my life or in the universe, and frankly, I kind of didn't want there to be <laughs> either. And I think that that... that, that reveals to me today that there's an element of this is do I want this to be the, the case and how much of my wanting or not wanting it to be the case influences the way I see the evidence so if if the evidence is pointing towards design why do I reject a designer there are probably a couple of things number one I believe would have uh, to do with if God existed what picture of God would we have now, humanity has uh, done a, a very interesting job. You know, most of humanity today believes in God and most of humanity through the history of the, the uh, you know, history of Earth have, have um, believed in God. So 
the vast majority of people have always believed in the supernatural or that there's mm. a God out there somewhere. In, in God or a God or many gods correct. in some cases. But correct. Yeah. And so, but human beings have done a, an interesting job of portraying God through the ages in various different ways, in yeah. all kinds of different religions. Mm. And uh, sometimes the, those pictures of God are not very uh, attractive. Mm. Uh, sometimes we're talking about a vengeful God who might want to uh, cause pain or damage, uh, or an indifferent God who really doesn't care about anybody, who wind up the, the clock and let it tick away. Uh, that, that's called deism, and people might believe in that. Um, and then, of course, there are others who believe that there is an all-caring, all-loving God. Um, and, you know, it would be easy to believe that, well, if, if the designer of the universe is an all-caring, all-loving God, then I could, I could be drawn to that God. I, I could accept that I might want to get to know a little bit more about that God. But um, for, for many, their experiences with perhaps believers or the church or a faith particular community might lead them to believe, well, that's not the kind of God I want to to be connected with. So I think that's part of it, the picture of God that we have mm. as to whether we reject or accept God. And I also think that our own experiences in life, if I have uh, done some things that I regret, and I can assure the listeners that I have done many things that I have done and said things that I regret, that I, I wished I hadn't done, uh, is God going to judge me for that? And mm. uh, we're going to talk about that a little more as this series progresses. Okay. So um, just wrapping up today then, I think you've got a couple more things to, to say. Yeah, in terms of design. So there was an interesting article in a British newspaper back in 2009, the Daily Mail, which uh, had the headline, We are born to believe in God. It's wired into the brain, say psychologists. And there have been research uh, into the brain that, that we have these supernatural uh, these areas of the brain that are um, stimulated by the idea of the supernatural. And uh, he believes uh, this was the, the, the findings of Bruce Hood, a professor of developmental psychology at Bristol University. He says, we are born to believe in God. Now, why would that be? Why, why would that be? Um, Freeman Dyson was a theoretical phys physicist, a mathematician. And again, uh, he's looking at the anthropic principle, the idea of design in the universe. He wrote this in 1979. He said, the more I examine the universe and the details of its architecture, the more evidence I find that the universe, in some sense, must have known we were coming. Now, that's an incredible statement to make. Almost seems like the universe has some sort of consciousness. consciousness. Yeah, or, or a purpose. There's a, a purpose, purpose in yeah. mind. And this, to me, uh, falls very nicely in with the idea that we find in a verse from the ancient Hebrew Bible, which was Isaiah 45, verse 18, which says, For thus says the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he has established it, he created it not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. In this verse, it's saying that God made the earth for a reason. He made the heavens, he made the earth for a reason. He formed it to be inhabited. It was his intention that human beings live here on earth. We're not an accident. We were designed to be here. This place was designed for us. For us yeah. But I think most people recognise something must have gone wrong because it doesn't work perfectly. It doesn't work perfectly and uh, there's a lot of pain and suffering that we exactly. see. Exactly, and mm. that is going to be part of our series. We're going to address that. Why is there so much suffering? I've mentioned before that you know, there are various pictures 
of God that we have in our world today. And one of those pictures is an all-loving, all-caring God. And people will naturally ask that question, if God is all-loving and caring, how come there's so much suffering in the world? We want to address that. It's going to be part of our series. Um, okay. But, yeah, we, we for now we're looking at evidence from the area of design. The universe looks designed. The earth looks designed. Living things look designed. We look designed. It implies very strongly that there is a designer. Okay, so uh, next week, uh, what, are you, what are you going to be talking about next week? I, I believe it's still on the topic of God, does God exist? Yes, yeah, so in our series Searching for Certainty, we're still going to, uh, there's so much to explore in this particular topic. So we're going to look at the subject of morality. It's going to be called the moral dilemma. Is there such a thing as right and wrong? And how do we know? And if there isn't, uh, what implications does that have for the society we live in? So morality, the moral dilemma, uh, does God exist? The moral dilemma, we're going to talk about morality and where that comes from. Excellent. Well, I'll, I'll look forward to that uh, next Thursday and you can tune in. The other thing is just to remember that uh, if you miss a program and you want to go back and listen, you can do that on the Faith FM website. You can find our show, Tassie Encounters, and you can go back and lis- listen to previous uh, episodes that we've had. Now, um, we talked about a free offer, and it's now time to, to give you that code word. And the number again is 0488-880-891. And the code word for today's free offer is search number one. But, of course, we haven't told you about what the offer is. So what is it, Peter? Okay, so today's free offer, it's a little book called The Power of hope, you know, when we uh, our, our series, the searching for certainty, one of the things that people uh, have very little of, it seems today, and that is hope. Uh, we look at the news, we look at the, you know, the uh, um, where we think the world is heading, and it's it's not a bright and happy place. So uh, today, uh, the free offer is the power of hope. It's a small book; it won't take you long to read, but I think you'll enjoy it. And uh, yeah, text search one to the number 0488880891 and uh, we'll be happy to get that to you. Awesome. And tomorrow we have David Maxwell. Uh, He's uh, from Launceston and he's going to be joining us and he's got a series called Amazing Love and uh, I'm looking forward to exploring that with uh, David. He's going to start with Psalm 23. Now, wherever you are, wherever you've been listening... And uh, whatever you're doing for the rest of your day, we pray that uh, the rest of your day is good and that uh, God be with you.